0: Vibrant Vibrant. Vibrant. music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music music teachers. This is episode 73 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and this is the second episode in a series about the essential ingredients of well-balanced music lessons. Welcome back, beautiful teachers. And if you're joining me for the first time, first of all, a huge welcome to you. Second of all, I recommend you actually go back and check out last week's episode first. So whether you've been listening for a while or you're brand new, go back to last week's episode. That was episode 72. And listen to that before this one, because this series really is designed to be a series. It's about the essential music lesson ingredients. And in that episode... That's episode number 72, so go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 72. In that episode, I explain why I'm doing this series and what it's all about, as well as talking about the first music lesson ingredient, so do go back and listen if you haven't already. If you're ready to carry on forward, though, we're talking today about the next vital music lesson ingredient. Last week was music reading, and this week is all about ear training. Hmm. This is one that's slightly not less obvious because we all, most of us know we need to do some form of oral work or ear training, but it's definitely less ubiquitous than music reading. Most piano lessons, most instrumental music lessons include some form of music reading. But even with the best intentions, many music lessons do not include any ear training at all. I know my experience with ear training as a student and as a young teacher was simply directly before a piano exam. We would run through all of the oral tests from the exam. This depends on the exam board, but in our case, it's just basically sight singing and rhythm clapping and all of this stuff. It's all meshed together into one oral test section or a theory section or whatever you want to call it. And it includes listening to a piece and saying, answering some questions about it. That's the main oral component. So, directly before the exam, we would go through these exercises. If I did well, great, I was ready. If I did poorly, well, there was nothing we could do about it because the exam was happening, you know, the next day or the next week. So, just some quick tips, or oh, just give it your best shot, and off I would go. And this is pretty common. It's not that my teachers were you know, so terribly negligent, it's pretty common because there's so much else to teach. Most lessons are only half an hour. And as with all the stuff we're talking about in this series, it's hard to balance it all. It's very hard to fit in ear training alongside everything else that you're doing. And so it can be tempting to put it aside, to shelf it, until it comes to crunch time and you need it. Or maybe you never have that crunch time because your students don't do exams or anything where they have oral tests and so they don't get anything. It's all too common. But oral training is not oral tests. That's not the same thing. Ear training isn't about just little drills to do with intervals or a sulfa or anything else. It's about actually developing students' ears. That's what it's supposed to be for. So why does this stuff matter? Why is this something that I consider an essential ingredient of great music lessons? Why do we need to fit it in? Well, to state the obvious, music is oral. That sounds ridiculous to say, right? You're listening to this going, Um, yes, Nicola, I know that music makes sounds. But, I think we forget it. I think we lose sight of it. I certainly have, many times. We get so bogged down in the reading, in the notation, in the technique even, in everything else, that we forget that we're creating sound. That was the purpose of all of this stuff. So if our students aren't paying attention to what they're hearing, if they don't have the skills to properly analyze things orally, if they're not actively listening ever, then what are we even at? What are we doing? Right? doesn't make any sense. So we need to come back to the fact that music is actually something we listen to. And we need to find ways to make our students more actively listen to their own playing and to the playing of others, whether that's recordings or in person at concerts, whatever they're doing. They need to have the skills and the habit of actively listening to what they're hearing. Not putting it on the background. We all have the music we listen to in the background. I'm talking about real listening. We actually pay attention, right? We need to be able to develop those skills in our students so that they can develop their own playing because how are they going to fix technique issues or notation errors or reading errors, I mean, or anything if they don't listen to what they're playing? So we need to develop this active listening. That's part of what ear training is. It also can mean that they have the confidence they need to work something out by ear. Now, it doesn't have to mean that they're superstar, play-by-ear style musicians. That's fine. If you want to develop that, great. But that's a particular specialization, let's say. Just being able to pick at something, something small, and figure out what it is and how it goes, that's not a specialization. It shouldn't be. It should be something that students know they can do if they try and have a little bit of development in so that they're not completely lost when looking for notes, when trying to figure something out by ear. Good ear training should also help students to understand music on a whole other level. So, we talked about this last week when it comes to music reading how notation can help us to understand music theory. Notation is not music theory, they're not one and the same, but it can help us greatly help us in understanding music. Ear training can do that too. The first time I took the, the Kodai summer, what do they call it? Summer camp? No, it's not called that. Summer pedagogy course. Anyway, they call it active music making. It's a week-long course that the Kadai Institute of Ireland runs. And I took it a few years ago and I took it again this year because it's fantastic. But when I first took it a few years ago, I mean... It was one of the most exhausting weeks I have ever spent constantly singing. And it really, it really opened my ears, as it were. It really changed how I thought about so much to do with music. Because I had never experienced ear training like that. I'd experienced, like I say, these oral tests and tons of theory and all of this. Obviously, using my ears to actively listen, I'd gotten to that stage, but I hadn't experienced ear training on this level and in this way. And so when I took that course, it was, as I say, exhausting. I came home every day completely zonked and just collapsed on the couch and stared into space for several hours because it was a lot. But because of that course, I really gradually changed how I thought about ear training in lessons. And the results of that week ended up being digested in some way and converted into ideas I was using in my teaching for the next year at least. Gradually, bit by bit, dripping back out all the stuff that had been stuffed into my brain. So when I talk about understanding music on another level, I'm talking about my students not experiencing that as a sudden onslaught of information, but actually it being dripped out to them. So that they don't get to the stage where their ears are so far behind their knowledge and understanding in other ways that it takes this enormous push to get their ears up to the same level, or their oral awareness up to the same level as the rest of their music education. So dripping out this information to students, creating a curriculum that incorporates ear training all along the way so that they can actually understand music on that level as well as on a theoretical level um, through notation. Right, so that's why I think it's important to teach ear training, and why this is my second essential music lesson ingredient of the six we're going to be talking about. But how do we teach it? Well, you may have gathered this already, but for me, a big part of teaching ear training is using some Kadai-inspired, let's say, methods. I incorporate Salfa into all of my teaching and do lots of singing with my students. And especially in the beginning stages, I really believe that that's one of the best ways you can develop your students' skills. Now, there are many reasons why you might choose a different type of singing system. I won't go into all of that, and I won't go into what Salfa is and how it's used in my studio. You can go back to episode 26 and 27 to learn more about that. So just vibrantmusicteaching.com 26, just the numbers, to access episode 26. And in that one, I explained all about Kadai, the philosophy and the singing and Sulfa and then in the next episode I talked about some simple exercises to get you started if you're brand new to Sulfa and you want to bring it into your music studio teaching an you know an instrument you want to bring in a bit of singing that's a great way to start super manageable easy you don't need some specialist training you don't have to do a week-long course you can try this stuff out so go back and listen to episode 26 and 27 for more on that for me that's the best approach though using sulfa and using it in a functional way. So I don't just do sulfa as exercises with my students. Through my Piano Power Booster curricula, I incorporate folk songs, again, Kadai ideas. I use those folk songs to explore sulfa with my students to get them to play those by ear on the piano because they're specifically set up to be quite easy to play and to figure out by ear and they can all do it successfully especially when we've gone through that solfa step before we get to the piano which we do through the piano power booster course which again members can find that in the video library if they're interested in getting involved in that curriculum but what I'm doing there is I'm making it functional making it useful it's not about learning software because it's good for you. It's not about doing little drills and testing their interval knowledge. It's about putting it to use. Taking folk songs that we sing and that they find fun and enjoy singing, taking them putting them on the piano and then adding simple harmonization in those courses just using do and so. That's as simple as it gets. Right? It's just one and five. They're all major, so it is just one and five and so we're adding those two together. I do this with my buddy students when they're in their buddy time so that they're playing these things as a duet, playing it two-handed if they want to and exploring all of this through by ear. This also leads to transposing. As I said, exploring selfa through this and understanding that and singing just to develop your sense of pitch and rhythm and everything is so, so important for all music students. It doesn't matter whether they're taking voice lessons or any other instrument they need to be singing so that's my general approach as I said you can dive into the specifics in the piano power booster courses but the important thing to me is not whether you sing in sofa or whether you sing numbers or whether you have some other system it's that you have a system and that it's not based around exercises and tests because that's often what ear training is and it shouldn't be your training should be a useful thing and it should be enjoyable to work on. It shouldn't be the student turning their back and you playing two notes and saying, is that a third or a second? Is it minor or major? That's dull. And it doesn't really achieve anything. They can't apply that knowledge in other contexts. Or they at least they probably won't, even if they could. So whatever your system is, it could be SOFA. If you don't have one, I recommend giving that a shot. It could be something else that you love, like I say, such as the number system. Maybe use, use fixed-dose alfage in your country and you sing with that. Whatever you're doing, come up with a system and have a plan behind it. And when it comes to listening to other music, you know, not working on specific ear training, not singing, that type of development, but the active listening side of things, this type of ear training will help with that. But you also need to be giving your students opportunities to hear music and experience music firsthand with you performing in a variety of genres, with questions. So every time you play something for your students, I'm trying to get better at this myself, because sometimes I can be too vague about what I want them to listen for. And for students who don't have those active listening skills, or they're a bit underdeveloped in that area, they just get a bit lost with that. So anytime I'm playing something for my students, whether it's a recording or I'm playing, I tell them what it is that I want them to listen out for before I start. I want you to listen for how many times you hear the same little motif, showing them the motif, or listen and tell me about the dynamics when I finish. Make sure you prepare them before they listen so that they have something specific to tune into. They can't listen to everything like you or I can, right? They can't listen to all of those things and observe them all simultaneously yet. So you need to give them a specific thing to hone in on. As long as they have some kind of system for your ear training and you're giving them those opportunities to practice listening with a bit of structure around it, they will develop those ears and it will be a wonderful asset for their whole musicianship, for their musical life. Okay, so that's it for ear training. That was our second essential music ingredient. Remember to come back next week, we're going to be talking about technique and why that's an essential music lesson ingredient and how to go about teaching it or the general principles of teaching good technique to your students, no matter what instrument they're learning. Remember, this is a seven part series. We're talking about six different essential music lesson ingredients and vitally, most importantly, crucially, at the end, we're bringing it all together with how you can fit them together into your lessons how they fit side by side how to plan so that you don't run out of time and get overwhelmed with the options and the possibilities and everything you're supposed to be teaching so technique work next week I hope you'll join me then if you want access to the piano power booster curricula that were mentioned in today's episode you can go to vmt.ninja Become a member of Vibrant Music Teaching and you'll get access to those plans as well as tons of other awesome resources to help you improve your teaching.